So we're reading from the 10th canal, 5th chapter. We'll read a few verses. We began discussing the first verse. Let me read that and a few others and comment a little bit as we go along. This is, of course, after the fact of Krishna's birth and his actual birth in Gokul, where there was no manifestation of Aishvarya. Mother Yashoda actually experienced the, uh, the influence of Yogamaya, labor pains, and and uh, the whole of the community was in anticipation of the birth of Krishna, that Nanda Maharaj would have a son. Sukadeva Goswami said, Nanda Maharaj was naturally very magnanimous, and when Lord Krishna appeared as his son, he was overwhelmed by jubilation. Therefore, after bathing and purifying himself and dressing himself properly, he invited Brahmins who knew how to recite the Vedic mantras. After having these qualified Brahmins recite auspicious Vedic hymns, he arranged to have the Vedic birth ceremony celebrated for his newborn child according to the rules and regulations, and he also arranged for the worship of the demigods and the forefathers. It's a virtual culture of worship if you will. So showing honor to so many in the context of celebrating his son's birth. Of course, it was mentioned in our last discussion briefly that Mother Yasoda gave birth to a daughter and a son, and the daughter came afterwards, Anuja. And so what happened was the Vasudev, Krishna, having been petitioned by his mother and father to hide himself, there ecstasy, their bhava, their emotion was moving between in knowledge of his godhood and the, the feeling that he was their son. In Mathura, then this love is mixed with Samaishvarya. So it, when the Krishna shows Samaishvarya, then the parental affection, for example, in this instance, will, will move to the background. So they're going back and forth between these. In Vrindavan, if Krishna shows opulence, it will never cause the love to recede to the background. It will only foster the love. So it's Gyan Shunyavakti, love unencumbered by knowledge of the Godhood, of the Godhead. So at one point they asked, Devaki asked, you can hide yourself. This comes, it's going to get you, even though he's got a forearm form and so forth. So she starts to think like that in parental affection. So, of course, he does. He hides himself. This has been mentioned in the first verse of Srimad Bhagavatam. Janmandyasyat han bhayanitaratas charte shudigna swarat tene surayam. And even the gods can't understand it. He's independent. Swarat. Janmadyasya yataha. Janmadyasya. The source of, of everything means means directly and indirectly. This book is about Krishna and about Krishna Shakti, about Krishna and about Radha. Krishna is directly God, Radha is indirectly God. And their pastimes are wonderful. Charteshu, Abhigna, Swarat. And what are they? They are a manifestation of the Adirasa, which is what the world is about. Brahman is that from which 
the world comes from. And if we look at the world, what is it about? It's all about taste, about feeling, in pursuit of rasa. So Brahman must be rasa. Rasa Vaisa. He is, he is rasa. Taitari Upanishad says, Radha and Krishna, one and different. They together are the adirasa, mukya rasa, janmadhyasya, anbhayaditarata, cha arteshu abhigna swarat, and he is independent, but tene brahma, radhadikavaye, he becomes dependent on those people of Vrindavan, who brahma, got uh, revelation in his heart about in Ramavi Mohan Leela how much they love him how they have him captured although he's independent and so forth so there he went this is what Bhagavatam is saying in one sense in his original in the first verse that's what this book is about so he went from there he hid himself two hands Difficult to obtain. Everybody has two hands, so how will you find it? And he went to Vrindavan. So this is Vasudeva Krishna. Sometimes shows four hands, sometimes shows two hands. So he showed the two hands. One in the hands of Vasudeva made everybody go to sleep. All the guards and everything. And then the river opened like it did for Moses. And he went through. <laughs> and when he got to Vrindavan, then he placed his son down and his son Devaki Nandan Krishna merged into Nandanandan Krishna the original Krishna now, I mean what he was doing was pretty you know he was kidnapping in a sense he, he was exchanging this is kind of <laughs> uh, not really wouldn't be would be frowned upon in the world he's changing his child for another one so not that he went in there with the light and everything was kind of dark, he could see everything. Put the one sun down, reached out and picked up a daughter, Yogamaya, and took her to the other side. So now Devaki Nandan Krishna is merged back into Nandan, Nandan, Nandan Krishna, his source. And the birth ceremony is being performed by Nanda Maharaj appropriately every appropriate worship for different people, the gods, the Brahmins, charity is being given, and so on and so forth. It says, Denunam niyute pradad vipripya samalankrite tiladrin sapta ratnogha shata kombabara britan Nandamaraj gave Two million cows, completely decorated with cloth and jewels and charity to the Brahmins. He also gave them seven hills of grain covered with jewels and cloth decorated with golden embroidery. O King, by passing of time, land and other material possessions are purified. By bathing, the body is purified. And by being cleansed, unclean things are purified. By purificatory ceremonies, birth is purified. By austerity, the senses are purified. And by worship and charity offered to the Brahmins, material possessions are purified. By satisfaction, excuse me, the mind is purified. And by self-realization, the soul is purified. So this is a side note of Sukadev to the king. 
the narrative continues. The Brahmins recited auspicious Vedic hymns which purified the environment by their vibration. This is something about the Vedic hymns, the Veda. The Veda, what is important in the Veda is the sound. The sound. Shabda. So, if you chant the sound right, then there's a corresponding reality that comes to bear. So the, in the Veda, the power is in sound. That's why the Brahmins are said to be to, to, to rule the world, because they chant the Vedic mantra as sound, and they can cause gods to appear. Gods have to make their appearance if they chant the mantra right. So the, the, therefore the Brahmins are considered the real, like the controls of the world <laughs> in a subtle, subtle sense. Even the gods have to submit to them if they chant the mantras correctly. And so the, the important thing in the Veda is the sound. Now, after the Veda, what do we have? We have the Puranas. So what's the important thing in the Puranas? Not the sound, but the meaning behind the sound. That's why it said the Veda speaks to us like a king. Do this. Do that. The Veda says, bring me some water. If you say, you start to ask a question for a further explanation, just bring me the water. I said, bring water, just bring water. That's the way the king speaks to you. No questions asked, okay? But no questions asked, just bring the water. That's the relationship. Like a king, it speaks to us. And the Puranas, how do they speak to us? Like a friend. So when a friend speaks to you, then if you say, hey, bring me some water, will you? Then you can say, you sure you want water? There's juice in the refrigerator. I mean, are you just trying to quench your thirst? Is that what you're after? Because this juice is right here, I have to walk a mile for the water. Yeah, you can just bring me the juice. Yeah, that's what I want. So, artha, the meaning behind the word, that has to be traced out in the prana, because the pranas are all narratives and stories and so forth. So, what is the meaning of the story? Is it just to know the story? No, it's to draw the meaning behind it. What's the purport? What's it trying to say? What's it saying to me? How that I should change my life and so forth? Like the story, you know, it said. The whole idea of the Ramayana, Ramayana is not to be a Ravana, but, but to be a Ram. Something like that. <laughs> so, big story, just to make that point. So, Then with the Kavya, Kavya means Sahitya, Rasa like Bhagavatam is also Rasa Then the importance is it's not the word, not the meaning of the word, but the implied meaning of the word. Like in poetry, he's saying one thing, he means something else. Like someone will say, like shopkeeper says, sun is setting. What does it mean? It means time to close the shop. He's not saying it's time to close, we should close the shop, and sun's going down. So he's saying one thing, but what is it, the meaning that is implied there? I mean, we should close up now. The copy of the poetry, it speaks like that. Bhagavatam has all three. Speaks like a king in some places. Speaks like a friend. And speaks like a lover. We should know these things. It's not just a literal meaning. So, the Brahmins recited auspicious Vedic hymns, which purified the environment by their vibration. Just the sound. The experts in reciting old histories, like the Puranas, the expert in citing the histories of the royal families, the general reciters, etc., all chanted, while singers sang and many kinds of musical instruments 
like the bheris and the dundubis played in accompaniment. So it was a real festival, and they had reciters of histories and chanters of mantras and, and so on. Rajapur, the residence of Nandamaraj, was fully decorated with varieties of festoons and flags, and in different places, gates were made with varieties of flower garlands, pieces of cloth and mango leaves, the courtyards, the gates near the roads, and everything within the rooms of the houses were perfectly swept and washed with water. The cows, the bulls, and the calves were thoroughly smeared with a mixture of turmeric and oil mixed with varieties of minerals. Their heads were bedecked with peacock feathers, and they were garlanded and covered with cloth and golden ornaments. O Maharaj Pariksit, the coward men dressed very opulently with valuable ornaments and garments such as coats and turbans. Decorated in this way, and carrying various presentations in their hands, they approached the house of Nanda Maharaj. The gopi wives of the coward men were very pleased to hear that Mother Yashoda had given birth to a son, and they began to decorate themselves very nicely with proper dresses, ornaments, black ointment for their eyes, and so on. Their lotus-like faces, extraordinarily beautiful, being decorated with saffron and newly grown kumkum. The wives of the cowherd men hurried to the house of Mother Yashoda with presentations in their hands. Because of natural beauty, the wives had full hips and full breasts, which moved as they hurried along. In the ears of the gopis were brilliantly polished jeweled earrings, and from their necks hung metal lockets. Their hands were decorated with bangles, their dresses were of varied color, and from their hair flowers fell onto the street like showers. Thus, while going to the house of Maharajananda, the gopis, their earrings, breasts, and garlands moving were brilliantly beautiful. Offering blessings to the newborn child, Krishna, the wives and daughters of the court of the cowherd men said, May you become the king of the Abraj and long maintain all of its inhabitants. They sprinkled a mixture of turmeric powder, oil, and water upon the birthless Supreme Lord and offered their prayers. So they blessed him and chanted different mantras in his ears for protection and they they blessed the breasts of Mother Yashoda. May they always be full of milk and so on and so forth. This is how they were carrying on. Now, that all-pervading unlimited Krishna, the master of the cosmic manifestation, had arrived within the estate of Maharaj Nanda. Various types of musical instruments resounded to celebrate the great festival. Aishwarya here. Gopa prasparam hushta dadhi chira kritam bubhi asin chanto vilam panto navanitais chachikshibhu. In gladness, the coward men enjoyed the great festival by splashing one another's bodies with a mixture of curd condensed with milk, butter, and water. They threw butter on one another and smeared it on one another's bodies. The great-minded Nanda Maharaj gave clothing, ornaments, and cows and charity to the cowherd men in order to please Vishnu, and thus he improved the condition of his own son in all respects. He distributed charity to the suttas and the magadhas and vandis and men of all other professions. According to their ex educational qualifications, 
and satisfy everyone's desires. Rohini cha mahabhaga nanda gopabhi nandita vyacharad divyabhasa shrak kanta bharanabhushita well, Here it's mentioned that Rohini cha mahabhaga the greatly fortunate Rohini she's one of the wives of Vasudev but she's greatly fortunate amongst them all because she amongst all of his wives not even Devaki, his principal wife, had the opportunity to participate in this festival. Not only to participate in it, indeed, she's very much, in a way, behind the whole affair. Here is mentioned Rohini Chamahabhaga Nanda Gopavinandita. Nanda Gopa, Nanda Maharaj, Nanda Gopa. And Gopa means, it means the Gopa named Nanda, but it also means that uh, go means earth, and pa means palana, protector. It means like protector of the earth, Nanda, who protected the earth by bringing joy to it, to the whole world. It says, Nanda Gopo Binandita. He favored her. He honored her. Rohini, the mother of Baladev, most fortunate as she was to be there, was given honor by Nanda Maharaj. Basically, it means that he honored her by saying, because of you, this is all happening. Because of your appearance, now my son is, is taking birth. Because why? Because Krishna is born under this nakshatra, Rohini, under the star of Rohini. This is in his chart. So this, this constellation of Rohini comes. And what is who is Rohini? She represents fertility, and Rohana means to rise. She gives rise to, to existence. This is Rohini. And as uh, like uh, presiding over fertility means that, that if you plant under her influence, or if you embark on any, on any material undertaking under her influence, under that stellar influence, you're quite sure of, of it being successful. This causes things to flourish. It says that food comes under her influence, and food is existence, at least in human society. People exist on food and on earth, so she's the source of uh, giver of food, plenty, and so forth. So you can see that one like Krishna, born under her influence, this is his chart, this is in his chart, this is what he's like. He nourishes existence. He uh, causes things to be fertile and to, to, and to flourish, and, and so on. And the Rohini is, at the same time that she causes one to flourish materially, she's also said to be the uh, uh, star of, like, ascent. So she's both a, a Arohana and Avarohana. She's both cause of ascending and descending. So she's a moksha nakshatra also, which is pretty interesting. So she's causing material life to flourish, those who are under her influence, but she also presides over moksha, over liberation. So similarly, one under her influence, Krishna, causes the world to flourish, and Krishna, that, that personality brings about liberation of the people as well. She's also a symbol of Rohini, is the, is the, is the bullock cart, so a, a, a cart 
drawn by cows. This is Rohini. <laughs> and the god, the lord of Rohini is Shukra, semen. And the devata that presides over her is Prajapati, Brahma, the progenitor, giving forth and plenty, creation. This is Krishna. You can see he's in his chart. He's human, but this is, he has a wonderful chart like this. But not only that, then it is, is also she presides, she's human. So different, there's 27 nakshatras, they're all the daughters of Daksha. They correspond with daughters of Daksha, all these stars, constellations. So some of them are goddesses or this or that. She's human and feminine, feminine influence. One uh, man born under that influence then will have a way with the ladies. And this is fact, so. Uh, she's the 27th wife of the, or daughter of, uh, daughter of Daksha and wife of Chandra. And he was madly in love with her, the moon god. She was so attractive and alluring and very expert. This one under the influence of, of this, uh, Rohini would be expert in erotic arts and, uh, very, uh, sexually, uh, appealing and attractive and beautiful. And he said that the moon god just couldn't, couldn't give her up. He suffered. He suffered intensely due to his attachment to her. So one who becomes attracted and attached to such a person under the influence of Rohini will have to suffer your whole <laughs> life. So it means there'd be no material enjoyment in that. Like inhabitants of Vrindavan, they're all attached to Krishna, attracted to him, especially Radharani in a romantic way. And she's just suffering. The life of suffering. He's gone. He's there for 10, 11 years and then gone for a hundred and some. So you can see this uh, presiding over his chart, all these influences. It is said that this uh, someone, a man under this influence of Rohini will have a way with women and and not uh, be concerned with boundaries like who they belong to. This is, this is Krishna. So Nandamars is honoring Rohini. He's saying, in this sense, oh yes, because of you, my son has appeared. She's represented in the stars in that way. And here she's presiding over the whole affair. Nandamaraj is just bewildered by the wonder of his, of his child and so forth. And here it's described that Rohini, what, that, uh, that, uh, honored by Nanda and Yashoda, and thus she also dressed gorgeously and decorated herself with a necklace and a garland and other ornaments. She was busy wandering here and there to receive the women who were guests of the festival. So she was like overseeing the whole, whole of the festival, attending to all the guests and whatnot, while Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda were enamored by the child. So in this way he honors her. And then this last verse here, not the last verse of the chapter, but the end of the section. Tatra Arabya Nandasya Braja Sarva Samridhiman Hareni Vasatmagunai Ramakridam Abunripam. So this is all happening, this wonderful atmosphere with Krishna's birth and here it says what? That oh Maharaj Parikshit, the sage Sukha says, the home of Nanda Maharaj is eternally the abode of the Supreme Personality of God and His transcendental qualities and is therefore always naturally endowed with opulence and all wealth. Yet, in spite of that being the case, beginning from the time of Lord Krishna's appearance there, 
it became a place of the pastimes of the goddess of fortune. So here it's mentioned that with the appearance of Krishna, so there's the appearance of Radha. She's the primal goddess of fortune. So the place, it's saying, very nice what it's saying here, is that Krishna is all auspicious. He creates an auspicious atmosphere wherever he is. Makes everything wonderful. But with his appearance, Radha is also appearing. In fact, she's shining light on him, who he really is. And although he is creates such an auspicious environment, she makes it even more auspicious and more beautiful. Therefore, Prabhupada used to say things like, well, Krishna is not so beautiful standing by himself, but when he's standing next to Radha, then he's really beautiful. Then he's Madan Mohan, really, in the true sense. So this is a verse in which Radha is covertly mentioned also in Bhagavatam, making the place plentiful in all respects. So, short discussion. Now we'll ask any questions about anything. Questions? Yes? In regards to when Mother Yashoda had the two children, and then her daughter became the manifested story baby. So that is Subhadra Devi. And then I, I never read anything or heard any story ever about how Subhadra Devi came into Krishna's life at what time. Oh, yeah. Stay with him. She grew up. And she yeah. disappeared. She threatened Kamsa. She disappeared. And that's the way it's mentioned in Bhagavatam. Showed herself as a goddess. But later on, she shows up. And she becomes the wife of Arjuna. He kidnapped her. He became attracted to her in Dwarkalila. Actually, he dressed up like a sannyasi. Pretended to be a sannyasi. <laughs> and then kidnapped her. Balaram made a big complaint about that. Our daughter, our sister has been kidnapped by this fake sannyasi, Arjuna. He was upset, but Krishna told him, mellow out, it's okay. Say they love one another. It's all right. So, she's manifest in the Dwarka, Mathura and Dwarka Leela, but not in the Braj Leela. There, she's Yogamaya, so she's present there, but that's Purnamasi. Brinda Devi also is a partial manifestation of Yogamaya. What else? Different Anathas that led up to Krishna being like uh, each of the babies that were killed by Kamsa. Oh, you're not familiar with them? Some of them. You've lived with him for so long. <laughs> I tried to identify them. And then I heard that Kamsa represented fear. Yeah, yeah. should have a healthy fear of Maya. That's the idea. Healthy fear of Maya. Then you have obtained what's called, arrived at what's called a teachable moment. Without a healthy fear of Maya, then you think you have nothing to learn. You're fine. With a healthy fear of Maya, then you can be taught. So that's negative impetus. So that all these anarthas, they should bother us enough that we think, my God, I need help. Something like that. Then help will come. So Mada, Moha, Matsarja, all these things, these are all principal anarthas. They arrive, arise out of ignorance, ignorance of the bodily conception of life. So when we develop some healthy fear of, of Maya, or we accurately assess our position in the world as a result of just being observant as to the nature of our 
condition, attacked by all these things, the trouble of this would make a person feel embarrassed and humbled, and therefore open to being helped. Some people say, well, you know, if you, you want to have a religion, it's okay. I don't mind. If you feel you need to crutch, you need help, I'm fine. The difference between us and them is that we recognize that we need help and they don't. You know, if you're addicted to drugs, then a guy says, I'm not addicted. I could stop if I wanted to. Until they realize that they can't, that actually the things got the best of them. Then that's the beginning of their overcoming the addiction, right? Until they recognize, acknowledge that. So that weakness, if you recognize your weakness, what happens? If you can accurately assess your weakness, what happens? Then you're strong. That's the beginning of strength. That's a strong position to be in. To deny your weakness, then you're super weak. So when you actually acknowledge your weakness, then, then you're open to help. Help is available. There's no shortage on Bhagwan's part to express himself in relation to us. No shortage. Shortage is only on this side. No interest. No customers in, in, in the product. So, this Kamsa represents this kind of negative impetus. Like, if you really understand your situation, it's bleak. Bleak. Like, um, to give an example, in modern world, if you live in a credit economy, so let's say you have a few credit cards, so you buy things, and you get a bunch of things, and, and then your cards are maxed out, and so you owe money. And practically your whole paycheck is being spent just on paying for things that you've already bought. And those things are broken now. They're not making you happy, but you're paying for them. So you have no life, if you will, of your own. You have no free time. You're just paying all the time, the credit cards. So we call that, they call it maxing out your credit cards. You're maxed out. So if you want a life, there's no way around it. I mean... You only make a certain amount of money at your job, <laughs> and you can only meet the minimum payments or something like that. So you're stuck. So what do you do then? Then you go to the court and you declare bankruptcy, and the court appoints an attorney and puts you under their care. And when you're under the care of the court, then the creditors can't get at you. And so their grip is relaxed so that you can have a life. But the court says, in order to have this life, you have to live within these parameters. You live within these parameters, we'll negotiate with the creditors, and you'll get a life. And gradually then they'll be paid off. So this is what it means. You, you have to realize that you've maxed out. There's no hope for you. You've got no life of your own. You're just paying the karmic debt. And with every move you make, you're only going further into debt. So you reach out, you approach the court, high court, and the court sends someone to oversee your, your life, to give you a life. That's the guru. And he sets up parameters. You live within these parameters, and the creditors can't get you. Something you owe, so gradually it will be paid down. We negotiate with them to pay the karmic debt. But don't go outside the parameters, otherwise then we can't protect you. You stay within this framework. <laughs> this is how then you get a life. And gradually the debt is paid. When it's completely paid, then liberation. Then, cultivation of bhav and praying. So there's negative impetus for spiritual life, and there's positive impetus. That's another meaning, anvayadi taratam, directly and indirectly. Material nature is also teaching. 
It's all not just in a book. The whole world is talking to you about Krishna consciousness. We're not listening. Like the sun flies across the sky every day. What is it saying? I mean, it's a pretty big event, right? Do you think of it like that? No, you don't even think of it practically. But if it didn't come up one morning, then you'd know how big of an event it was, right? There would be news all over the world, right? If there was enough light to read the paper. Huge event. This is a huge event that happens every day. You're just, just going on as if... You're not listening. Nobody's looking. You see, you have to... It's not just reading the book. What did the world say to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? The grass spoke to him, said, You're not humble like me. What's with you? The tree said, Why aren't you tolerant like us? That, the environment was speaking to him, you see, teaching him. He saw the whole environment as his guru, speaking to him. Not an, op- not an enemy. Fight this Maya. That's a lower level understanding. I've got to fight Maya. Maya's teaching you. Why don't you listen to Maya? Maya's also a devotee of Krishna. If you don't listen, then it's one thing. But if you listen, her message is very clear. So the whole natural environment spoke to Mahaprabhu. You've heard this verse. You said that your Guru Maharishi told me earlier, emphasizes, Trinada Pisa Nichena, Tarora Pisa Hishtana, Amanina Manadena, Kirtaniya Sadahari. Now you're riding through the Mendocino County. There are so many trees. Did you think of this verse? No, never. You see, that is the problem. So many trees. Yeah, very big trees. <laughs> and big trees, big redwoods. And you're just looking. Wow, that's cool. Look at that. But never, you never, you never heard what it was actually saying to you. Be tolerant, like us. They're just standing there saying, "Why don't you be tolerant?" The whole world is speaking to you about Krishna consciousness. That's the natural flow. You're going against the flow. The grass is saying, be humble. Have you ever walked on grass? Did you ever think of this verse? Never. <laughs> Just read the book. Read the book. Memorize that verse. See? You've got to live this. It's not just some information in your head. The Mahabharata was living it. That's why I spoke to him like that. Like you take the sun, like I said, it's a big, a huge event. Huge event. What is it saying? It rises up and goes across the sky and says, I'm killing you. Life that you have, materially speaking, you can't keep. It's called the wheel of time, chariot of time, Kal Chakra. Ujjanastan Chayanaso Ayurhardi Vaipumsam. Bhagavatam says in his poetry, sun is moving across the sky and taking away your life. Except for that one. Who's Uttama Shloka Vartaya, speaking about this means who's studying Bhagavatam, getting meaning, real meaning, living meaning from Bhagavatam, living the Bhagavatam. Who's the person Bhagavatam? His life is not being taken away because he's not living a material life. Life of exploitation, life of taking. The sun is rising and setting and telling you, life as you know it, your sense of identity. What is your sense of identity? Your I is your my. Your I is formed out of your my. Your sense of your attachments, what you think is yours, what you own, it's mine. I want it to be mine. It is mine. This is, this is, this is very practical. It's my car. And who buys that kind of car? You look on the TV and you know, what kind of people buy this car? He's a yuppie, he's like this, it's going to be this car, and it's going to be this SUV, and that kind of advertisement just fits. You see, it fits in identity, right? They all know. You know, the psychology 
who we're going to sell this to, what kind of person. It's a whole identity. So they market the car, certain type of cigarettes. So this is my smoke. This is my car. This is my place, my house. That my makes up your I. We are our desires, materially speaking, and our attachments. That's what we are. That's why Arjuna told Krishna. Krishna told Arjuna in the very beginning, look and see who's here. He pulled up the chariot. Here's Bhishma, here's Drona. Your biggest attachments. You've got to kill them. That's what you have to do. You have to die to live. Die to live. It's poetry, but it's bitter pill to swallow. So this sense of I that's based on our attachments, it can't live. He's struggling to make it live, to make it work, but it can't. The sun is telling you every day, hey buddy, you can't do this. Look at this. I'm taking it away with my rising and setting. It's taking every day that you wake up. The chances of your dying are surer than yesterday. More sure tomorrow than today. What are you doing about it? <laughs> nothing. Can't hurt Krishna. Be happy. But doing nothing really about it. A little something, but but with any urgency, with the urgency that the situation warrants, no. So you have not got an accurate assessment of the predicament, the situation that you're in. It's not pessimistic, because if you understand it properly, then it affords tremendous impetus, negative impetus, to do something about it. And Bhagavatam is revealing this, indirectly speaking to you, from this side, giving you negative impetus. And then directly giving positive impetus with Harikata. Mahabhu was giving the holy name and discussion of where to go, what was your prospect, what you can be when your sense of my becomes he is mine. That is called Mamata, that is Vrindavan consciousness. They don't think I am Krishna's, they think Krishna is ours. You see? So identity is based on attachment. Asakti, you're attached to the object of worship, then your identity starts to awaken within. Then anadi karma is, is, is finished. Ayinanda tanuja, kinkaram, Mahaprabhu said, this is asakti. He's attached now to the object of worship that is appearing in his heart. Krishna, son of Nanda Maharaj, that's who I am. I'm, I'm his servant, that's who I am. So spiritual identity is also formed by my by attachment. Attachment forms identity. When we're attached to matter, we have a material identity. When we're attached to Krishna, we get a spiritual identity. Mm-hmm. So when Krishna becomes mine, <laughs> then you have everything. <laughs> now you want everything. This is mine, that's mine. You stop going like that. Try to make Krishna yours. Then you have everything. And that's why in Vrindavan the whole landscape is what? Chintamani Dhan. Kalpabriksha, the ground is Chintamani, yeah. the trees are Kalpabriksha, you can get anything. The livestock, Kamdenu, those cows, you can milk anything from their udders. Sounds like a great place to go, huh? But then stop and think for a minute. What is the real opulence of that place? It's the people who live there. Because why? They don't want anything. Ami Kichu China, Ami Kichu China. They could milk a cow and get anything. They could pick anything from the tree. They don't want anything. It means when you don't want anything, you have everything. <laughs> and you can only truly not want anything when you love Krishna. That is the real, the only way to not want anything. If we're on the Abhilashita Sunyam, 
ज्ञान का हमारे ना ब्रीथम आनुकूल है न कृष्णानुषी गनुम भक्ति उत्तम ऑल दिस बुक्स आर ट्राइंग एक्सप्लेन दिस पॉइंट ज्ञान कार्मा देवस डिजायर देर फॉर ओनिंग एंड फॉर नोइंग फॉर ओनिंग द वर्ल्ड फॉर ओनिंग एवरीथिंग फॉर बीइंग एवरीथिंग दिस इज फॉली यू डोंट ओन एनीथिंग एंड यू आर नथिंग इफ ही डजंट थिंक अबाउट यू इफ ही डजंट थिंक अबाउट यू यू आर नथिंग जस्ट लाइक द आई इफ द माइंड डजंट माइंड इट Pay attention to it; it can't see. If I look at an object, but my mind is not there, I won't see it. You understand? The senses don't work unless the mind is connected to it. We have so we have no meaning unless we're connected to Krishna. So, Gyan Kamali and Abhitam, instead of trying to be everything or to own everything, this is just folly. That is karma mark, Gyan mark. You get nowhere. You get nothing. Ganmarg is not desireless. Big desire, huge self-interest is involved there. It's more self-interest than the karma mark. It's a big, big desire. Gan, the gani for liberation, to be it all, to be the whole thing, and no desire to serve. None. How far away he is from Krishna, <laughs> and he looks to the ordinary people like that's really spiritual. That's great. That's liberation. That's yeah, we want that. No, what did Mahaprabhu say? Nadanam, nadanam, na sundarim kavitam ba. Mama janmani janmani ishvare. You don't want anything. You don't want the world. You don't want after world. You want only bhakti. Bhakti means you don't want anything. You can only really say I don't want anything when you want bhakti. What is it said? Bhukti mukti siddhi kami sakali ashant. If you want any of these things, you cannot be peaceful. Krishna bhakti nishkama taiva shanta. If you want Krishna, oh, then you can be peaceful. Then you can be happy. Then you can say you don't want anything. <laughs> you know, only devotee of Krishna doesn't want anything. He doesn't want anything means what? Because in braj bhakti, and this is, means real Krishna, real devotee of Krishna, they only want to love Krishna. They don't want anything. You analyze your own life. What do you want from Krishna? You want to be the biggest book distributor, or you want to be become the temple president, or you want to. If only I could get this. If only I could get that. If I could become a sannyasi. If I could become. If I could, Krishna would send me to another temple. I don't like this one. Or so many things we want. We want. We just want something from Krishna. Krishna's not very interested in that. You want those who want what he wants. Want to know what he wants. Well, that attracts his attention. That's what the Prajapati is. They only want to know what Krishna wants. They were interested in him. What do you want? Like I said, a sadhu comes, gives knowledge. We all, yeah, that's great. I get that knowledge. I can get what I want. Never said to think. What does he want? He just goes in the door, closes the door, <laughs> come back out, give knowledge, give taking. See, taking is very subtle. In the gross sense, people are taking, materially speaking. In the subtle sense, is also taking all the way up to Mathura. Rukmini, what is her example? Rukmini had a sense of self; she couldn't just run off with Krishna. What would the Vedas say? So she's thinking of herself. What would the Vedas say about me? What will become of me then? So she wrote a message to Krishna: If you kidnap me, that'll be good. That's like you know, that's okay. That's Vedic, kind of. It's like the outer rim of. Vedic sanctioned marriage, 
But she wouldn't just go out and run after Krishna. What did the gopis do? She just ran out. No sense of self. He wants me. I'm going. Doesn't matter, whatever. They didn't think of themselves. They had no sense of self. So even spiritually speaking, Rukmini has no material desire. Prahlad has no material desire. Hanuman has no material desire. Pandav is all the way up, but they have some sense of there's some separateness between themselves and Bhagwan. They have a sense of identity that that is not present in the Braj Bhakti. Krishna is theirs. They're all Brajbhasis. There's no difference between them and Krishna. No distance between themselves and the object of worship. This is, of course, a dynamic unity, not like a Dvaita Vedanta, which is ridiculously far from Krishna. So, in this way, the world is talking to you. You have to pay attention, listen. It's not just book knowledge. Book's meant to make you look at the world and think. You're supposed to read books, study, chant, look at the world, and the world's supposed to talk to you. Like you walk down the street in India, you see a camel chewing thorns. And then you think, oh, yeah, he's chewing his own blood and getting pleasure from that. Sex love is like that. You give up your own blood and you get pleasure from that. That is not very intelligent. <laughs> Something like that. So then you, of course, you're not an idiot. So you have to start drawing these analogies from your own world here in the Western world. That means when that starts to happen, it means, oh, he's listening. The world is talking to him. How about Krishna? Do you read the book? You study, then that you get realization. It's not that you just read the book and then go out and talk about something else. You hear the class and you go out. Class over now. Hey, what's going on with you? Where are you from? What's going? What's happening? What are you up to? You really, you hear what they're to talk about. You guys think, man, that was. I got to change my life here. It takes time. Drops of water wither away the stone. <laughs> Therefore, repeated hearing repeatedly. You got to hear again and again. Nasta prayeshu abadreshu nityam bhagavata sevaya. And so gradually, and hearing from a qualified person, and gradually it starts to dawn on you. It starts to affect your heart. I'm going to change. Can't be a hypocrite anymore. And you find your environment is friendly. The world is speaking to you, helping you. It's it's not like this fight against Maya. Actually, Maya is your friend. You're fighting her. She wants to tell you about Krishna. So you get to, and anyway, negative impetus from Maya. You see, oh, what the predicament is. You may like something in this world, but you can't keep it. So how bad is it then? The more you like it, the worse it is, right? If you like it, but then you find you can't keep it, then how painful is that? <laughs> and that's a fact. Maya is telling you that. So all this, this way, you get negative impetus to overcome an artist. You develop some some fear of maya and fear that what I'm doing that someone of spiritual consequence cares about it that should be the concern of the devotee we want a lifeline to Krishna consciousness that means to, under the direction of a sadhu you want to know that he or she cares about what I'm doing that gives value to it otherwise what is the value you follow? think about it so young men, you have to become living murdangas, jivanta murdanga, living drums, sounding the sounds of Krishna consciousness. Is it already 12 o'clock? It must be quarter to or something? Alright, we're going to stop now. Mahaprabhu will take his dinner. We'll come for Arctic in a few minutes, okay? Sit by the fire and get fired up.
गुरु 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 गुरु